Okay, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Our first guest is uh, the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. That's Representative Karen Bass out of the 37th uh, uh, Congressional District in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, just looking at a little bit of your background, uh, uh, Member Bass, uh, I see why you are so involved with uh, uh, things related to medicine and well, you've always been involved with human rights. But you're the chair of the subcommittee on Africa, global health, global human rights, and international organization. And I see that your med- your, your uh, education background is in, in medicine. But uh, as I told Zach, uh, I, I wanted you to, first of all, welcome and thanks for taking time to be with Hayward and I. But, uh, you know, we keep hearing that uh, the Congress is not doing the people's business. And uh, I've had uh, Congressman Bobby Scott on before, and he kind of allayed that to rest a little bit. But, you know, tell us exactly, and my listeners exactly, what is going on, and we can get to the impeachment bit later. But just in terms of the work that the U.S. Congress is doing and the bills they've passed. Sure, and I will tell you one other thing. First of all, let me thank you so much for having me on and for asking me that question, because one of the things that's very, very frustrating is that if you read the news, watch, uh, watch the TV, you would think that the only thing happening on the Hill is uh, the president. But actually, we have been working in committees. We have passed numerous pieces of legislation. I can give you some examples in a minute. Uh, most of the legislation is just sitting in the Senate because essentially McConnell has decided the Senate isn't going to do anything except for um, confirm judges. That's the only thing that they seem to be interested in doing, and that's so dangerous for our communities because the judges that they are confirming are people that absolutely do not have our interest at heart. But, uh, for example, we have passed uh, legislation on, on the DREAM Act. We've passed the minimum wage. We've passed legislation on climate change. In the next couple of weeks, we will pass the Voting Rights Act. Uh, we've passed legislation around uh, prescription drugs, which is a very, very, very serious issue. You know, it's shameful that uh, people in your state can drive up to Canada or feel they need to in order to get medications that are sold by our companies, by U.S. companies, that essentially rip us off here in the United States, but go around the world and sell medication at very affordable prices. And so we're trying to address issues like that. So while we are doing everything we can to keep America safe, and sadly that means <laughs> watching the president, uh, we are passing legislation at the same time. Now, specifically, I work on criminal justice reform issues. Uh, I also work on foster care issues. And some of the issues we work on are actually bipartisan efforts. But again, uh, that is not newsworthy, so you would think that we never, ever come together on anything, and I just want you to know that that is definitely not true. And that's one thing I think we as citizens also have to uh, uh, pair it to the press, that, hey, why don't you look at the records and see where the bills are? I think they're sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. So that's one of the well, things I wanted you to explain to our listening audience. Things are happening in Congress. In the House, they're just not being moved in the Senate. Yes, and and I I also want to say uh, to the audience that um, I am always optimistic, and I actually think that that, that the Senate will pass some of the bills, because just think about this. The other night, on Tuesday, we had an election, 
they elected a Democratic governor in Kentucky. That's the state where McConnell comes from, and his polling numbers right now are in the toilet. And so at some point in time, he has to say, I'm running for re-election, and this is what I've done. Right now, the only thing he can say he did is everything that Trump asked him to do and confirm judges. I think the state of Kentucky needs more and deserves more than that. So with that in mind, I don't assume that those 200 bills that are over in the Senate will not see the light of day. At some point, the senators need to say that they did some work. So hopefully that will include passing our bills. Listening audience, that you hear that? 200 bills to make your life better and make things better for the American public are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. Okay. All right. Okay, now in terms of your committee assignment, you're on the the Judiciary Committee, and we know they've been real busy as of late. So could you just bring our listeners up to date on what's happening right now from your perspective? Sure. Well, fortunately, the listeners will be able to see for themselves beginning next Wednesday. Uh, Up until now, we were holding the uh, depositions where we interview each of the witnesses. We were doing that behind closed doors. But as of Wednesday, everything will be done in uh, in public, and I would encourage all of your listeners to tune in because I think it's going to be a pretty explosive testimony. What I believe has happened is is that a lot of these um, heroic, patriotic individuals that work in the State Department are sick of having a president who completely maligns them, who lies about them, who has no idea what the work that they really do, And I think that they're coming forward and they're saying, you know what, we've had enough. And so you will see a hearing take place uh, in public on Wednesday with the ambassador um, to, uh, he was the ambassador to the Ukraine. And uh, pay attention to that because I think it will be a very uh, big day. Now that, uh, the the pay-for-play guy from Portland, the the hotel guy, Sondland, is that yes, it? Yeah. Right. Now he came back and corrected his testimony after he heard some wills. I so I can see well, why you do the the the, the, the depositions in private exactly. because it'd be a collaboration of witnesses. Okay, go right ahead. A, 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 absolutely, and I think that he decided uh, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to jail for perjury. Let me change this and let me say that I I rethunk it. <laughs> okay. That's what I think that he decided to do. You know, Representative Bath, because Republicans have been saying it for a while, let let them testify publicly, okay, public testimony, public. So we're going to begin, you, you were saying Wednesday. How often are we going to be hearing public testimony now or people testifying? Oh, I think you're going to be hearing it every day. Uh, one thing about this process, and I do believe that we are going to impeach him, Um, We are trying to go through this uh, rather quickly. I mean, people are just tired. They're fatigued. And and the reason they're tired is because ever since he has been in office, he's been under investigation, but not by Congress. Congress has only been investigating him for a few months because the first two years of his presidency, when the Republicans were in control, they would not investigate him for anything. It didn't matter what he did. And so, uh, consequently, it seems like investigations have been going on forever. That is true, but not by Congress. You know, Eddie pointed out earlier, so now we have all these bills in the the Senate. Mitch McConnell's not moving on it. And what's going on with Lindsey Graham? Why is he trying to be so protective of the president, in your opinion? Well, I think Lindsey Graham, first of all, I think the president has something on him. And I don't know what he has, but I think that he has something on him because Lindsey Graham knows better than what he's doing. Uh, but I also know that he's up for re-election. 
And, you know, as much as I love being uh, in the House and as much as I care about being reelected, I would never sell my soul, never, mm. in the manner in which he is. And he just looks scandalous. And I, I know that uh, Senator McCain is rolling around in his grave Amen. at the way he has seen his friend debase himself. In terms of uh, the other issues, uh, and I guess we got so much stuff stacked up on Mitch McConnell's desk, but locally, uh, what can people do? And I sent you some information on the issues that we're facing in Washington State uh, with uh, uh, folks from, uh, actually from uh, Chinese immigrants from Hong Kong. They live in the most affluent uh, legislative districts in the state, and uh, the only people that they uh, really questioned, whose qualifications they questioned were those of under underqualified African Americans. They consistently parroted Martin Luther King's statement about it's not the color of my skin, but the content of my character. And uh, 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 Representative Bass, these guys were organized by a person that brought us uh, anti-affirmative action over 20 years ago. His name is John Carlson. He's a talk show host on KVI Radio in Seattle that's owned by ABC. And it mm. seems to me ABC mm. has had all the right wingers. They might as well just change their name to Fox. And wow, this guy, I didn't know that. yeah, oh yeah. So the ABC want to make sure you aware the members of the Congressional Black Caucus be aware of the fact mm-hmm, that up mm-hmm. in Washington State, uh, ABC uh, owned radio station allowed their guy to uh, coordinate uh, the deprivation of equality, primarily for African Americans. We're doing like about one tenth of one percent of the state business, wow. and our city now is like four percent. Uh, uh, of individuals who are African descendants of United States slaves. There are far more uh, African immigrants in the city than there are of the folks that's been here 400 years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, all the racism is aimed directly at us and not at anyone else. And then another thing, other people have access to offshore dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, well, this guy doing, well, yeah, you know, uh, the, the so a Nigerian engineering firm, uh, when I was in Paris, the ad I saw most was the Bank of Nigeria in Paris. Yeah. So wow. when you can't compare African descendants with other folks who are coming in here just because they're minorities don't mean they don't have access to capital. Either the first or second richest guy in the in the world is a uh, cell phone owner in Mexico. So, you know, uh, we can't compare our, our situation with everyone else's, and that's why I think it would be a good idea to have a federal designation for African descendants of United States slaves in every federal agency uh, with some uh, goals and some uh, other goodies that should come uh, while we discuss reparations. So those are just some of my ideas. But the other thing I really want you to touch on, because we also have Senator Bob Hasegawa on a little later. Senator Hasegawa was one of the leading proponents of restoring affirmative action uh, in Washington State. But uh, I sent you the information about what transpired in Washington on Tuesday uh, yes. with the I-1000 yes, and the Chinese did. immigrants. And I'd just like to have you give our listeners your impressions of what you read and what you saw. Well, I just think that, it, that, that it's absolutely awful. I mean, you know, California was one of the first states to pass an anti-affirmative action uh, initiative. And when we did it, uh, African Americans on the state level had won 1% of the contracts. They were not happy about 1%, and so they wanted to take it away. Mm. And so uh, what is going on there, I I just think it's terrible. And to me, one of the worst parts of it is the pitting together of two communities of color. And uh, I know that that was done uh, also in Berkeley. There was an issue around that in our our state house. And 
Unfortunately, what happened, though, was that people did come together and they were able to uh, defeat it. I am hoping that um, California is able to reverse the anti-affirmative action initiative, especially since the demographics of our, of our state has changed so much. So I'm sorry about what happened up there, but I hope that people won't uh, quit. I hope that they'll go back at it. And, uh, and maybe there's an opportunity to, you know, build some ties with um, Asian activists who don't yeah. agree. Yeah, well, I must admit did. that we did have the Asian, uh, various Asian organizations, Japanese American Citizen League, Organization of Chinese Americans, and other Asian organizations, uh, Filipino Community Club of Seattle Incorporated, all were supporting affirmative action, all right. criticized uh, right. uh, the way this whole thing came down. And like I said, these folks over here were immigrants. Mm-hmm. They were not even citizens. Well, but because John Carlson and Tim Iman saw a way to, and, you know, to continue to, to uh, be against black folks, that's what they did. And they, they, were, they were, you know, it wasn't, some people say it was Republican money, but it was not. Those folks were well endowed, and they could pay their way. And so that's just a reality. And, and you know, and, there, and, there, and there's a history of this, and, and buying off either part of our community or some other communities and fitting us together. You might have heard that tomorrow Trump is going to announce in Atlanta an initiative around uh, black voters, and he's going to go after our vote. Now, you know good and well he could care less about our vote. But when he went to uh, Benedict College, he had to bring black people with him. <laughs> oh, is that okay? He, he, he wouldn't let the black people that go to school there. You know, they weren't allowed to go hear him. Only seven of them were allowed to go hear him. The rest of them had to stay in the dorm. I raised that because, you know, here you are taking a group of black people to pit them against the masses of black people. You have a group of Asians you know, who uh, come after us. And I think No, that you know what? The Asian community corrected me, said, no, the, they are Chinese immigrants. Don't broad rush our community. <laughs> so I, I was corrected well, early on. They said, nope, Chinese exactly. immigrants, not Asians. <laughs> no, 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 it, it, exactly. And yeah. so I think it's important that we are specific like that because we don't want to fall into our communities being pitted against each other because at the end of the day, it might be those Chinese immigrants that, that took the lead, but I would suspect that there's some other people who are even behind them. Yes, right. John like Carlson the, and Tim Iman, two, two bigots. Like the, who like the idea that it is a minority group that is attacking affirmative action so they get a pass. So I think it's important that we not forget who is behind it and go after them uh, as well. Well, before you leave, Representative Bass, we have uh, Senator Bob Hasegawa who led the fight in the Senate. And uh, so Senator Bob, uh, uh, Representative Karen Bass, Chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, is on the line. And we just talk, were discussing the I-1000, and I was letting her know that we had some Asian brothers and sisters and Asian Pacific Islanders right. who were right with us all the way. So Representative Bass, this is our star, Senator Bob Hasegawa. Well, and, and, you know, it's nice to meet you over the phone, and I just have to say that our communities have always worked together because our communities have been under attack, and uh, I think it's that great right. that you guys did not let a group like this uh, lead to a bigger risk between our people because we are all suffering in different ways. Well, you got that right. You know, And I want to thank you, uh, Eddie, for clarifying that that group does not speak for Asians. They speak for their own narrow group mm-hmm. right there. So, uh, you know, when they, we had the hearing on the uh, bill in the Senate here, 
we had testimony from people who actually did represent the broader Asian community, and they explicitly said they take great offense to our community being used as a wedge within exactly. all the larger communities of color to weaken our overall power. I mean, that's a classic tactic they use. And Absolutely. Yeah. Ab- Absolutely, and I'm I, and I'm glad you guys didn't fall for it. Get at the root of who's behind it. Yeah, that's right. Well, you Robert, know, when go ahead. We, there's, there's there's a group. There's the National Asia Pacific American Caucus of State Legislators, mm-hmm. and we have an annual gathering just to touch bases and whatnot. I think it was like four years ago. Um, you know, when they talk about Asians, it's too broad a brush. So exactly. we need to disaggregate the data to see how right. our students are doing in schools, right? And right. so that same group picketed us when we met in Boston because mm-hmm. they didn't want us to disaggregate data mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. thought that it would lower their uh, narrow interest group's um, chances or whatever, perceived chances of getting a better education. It's all yeah. But uh, there, there was a Chinese state representative of Massachusetts who actually tracked some of these people, did some of the homework, and tracked them back to the National Republican Committee. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they, they sound like they're like the uh, black folks that were with the president at Benedict College. There's always a few. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Well, Representative yeah. Bass, I know you put a meeting Thank off you. to be on yes. on the program, so we really do appreciate your time today. But I want to hear have, have you hear from one of our Asian stars who led the fight right. in the state Senate in Washington State. So thank you very much for your time today. Really a pleasure to Absolutely. talk with you finally. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And anything that we can do to be helpful, please keep us informed, okay? I just want to Likewise. let you know, Representative Bass, before you go, that Ward Conley came to Washington State after oh, he left God. California. Guess what? <laughs> He testified on behalf of opposing affirmative action again. He now lives in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, used to be the home of the neo-Nazis. Oh and I guess goodness. he's an honorary anyway. That's what he acts like. So, hey, well, 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 good riddance. That's right. <laughs> it was great to talk to you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Right, thank you. Okay. Nice talking with you. Okay, Senator Bob, now let's go to start dealing with Washington State. Uh, what do you have on the, your legislative agenda for your district, the 11th uh, legislative district, and the people of Washington State. Well, the thing that same old, same old, brother. I and you've been all over this issue. You're trying to move that public bank. There you go. Uh, proposal. So uh, we're supposed to be getting a business plan out of the University of Washington Evans School of Public Policy and Governance, with hopefully within a few weeks. And once that business plan is put out, then we have something concrete that legislators can sink their teeth into, and then voted up or down, but the problem with uh, the proposal is that it's going to be much narrower than what I would prefer, frankly, because in order to build a coalition to get enough votes to pass a bill, I've had to concede on some things. So where we'll be at, I'm not really sure. We'll just wait to see what the business plan comes out with, but um, at the very least, it's going to be a foot in the door. That's a good thing. So that's why uh, I've moved a little bit off of my original vision, which was to emulate the Bank of North Dakota. Right, right. Yeah, so we'll see. 
And you yeah. know, Senator Hasegawa, and even to the to the extent that we read the uh, annual report from the Bank of North Dakota, and they've been doing extremely well. Oh, I think I think the state of Washington there. should follow. But you know, you're laying the foundation. So, is this going to be an opportunity for the smaller banks now to hopefully borrow money from the state, our our taxpayer dollars, in order to expand their interests within communities? and make it a little more easy for people to access dollars? Well, the, the thing is, if we emulated the Bank of North Dakota model, then the answer would be yes. But um, I don't think the, our legislators are going to be quite that comfortable moving that far yet, because what, what the Bank of North Dakota does is it acts like a mini Federal Reserve for community banks. So it helps community yeah. banks actually yeah. be more competitive in the community. And that's a good thing. Plus, it's, it, it can generate so many new jobs just by the huge increase in lending capacity to build all the infrastructure projects that we got to get done. So, so where's, where's your opposition coming from? Because to, to me, it makes so much sense. Yeah, Who could no oppose kidding, that? Huh? Yeah, right. Well, the banks and the bondbrokers, obviously, and the state treasurer, who actually did support it just before he got elected, but within, I would say, a month or two after he got sworn in, he flipped on the issue. But uh, that's a different story altogether. Uh, The real opposition is um, people's fear of doing something that they're not familiar with. You know, we, we call ourselves this great, innovative state you know we pride ourselves on our innovation yet when it comes to something truly game-changing and innovative and it's going to do nothing but benefit the people people are hesitant to go there take that step so it's like better the devil they know that they know is really wrecking them over the coals than something they don't know well even if we show them the north dakota model just just read the annual report I mean, it's Uh right there, even to the extent that they protect their colleges and universities, infrastructure universities. They're doing extremely well. Yeah. I remember the hearing from uh, a couple of years ago had 50 people in there that testified on behalf of the bank and one broke leg bank lobbyist on crutches (laughs) (laughs) came in there and stole the thunder. I said, boy, these guys really have some clout. He was supposed to be on the injured reserves. And this guy is hopping down the corridor in Olympia in the Senate and hops in the, into the hearing, 50 people for the state bank and one broke leg bank lobbyist prevail. I mean, yeah. hey, is I, that Hayward laughing in the background? Yeah, that's Hayward. That's Absolutely. my co-host. You know, yeah, that's the, my, okay. and, and, the okay. beauty, and the beauty when we testified down there, it, it, it transcended a, a party's. You had independents, Republicans, people all from of Eastern us. Washington, Poor everywhere, Trump, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know what to tell you, brother. You the know, power of a broke leg bank lobby. <laughs> 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 so now, what's the latest numbers on I one thousand? I just want to just. Oh gosh, I don't know. It was within like what was it? Uh, a point or so, half a point. Mm-hmm. I think it was a half point, full point swing. Okay. It, you know, to, to make that up on a statewide count, uh, gosh, you know, well, we can even, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, but. yeah. But, but Senator Hasegawa, now you know there have been five federally approved disparity studies that had recommendations. Can those um, 
organizations and agencies that, that completes the disparity study still act on those points. Or we you know, could go to federal court with them. Discrimination is still illegal. Federal court. Discrimination is still illegal. Exactly. And if you can prove that discrimination exists. Then all you, you got to do is look at the numbers. Yeah, look at the yeah. numbers. Read the, All minorities, the all women on state yeah. contracts that get less than 4%. Yep. Who is yep. getting preferential treatment? But when you really <laughs> think about what I-1000 did, it really didn't do much of anything, frankly. Because what I-1000, I think, uh, was trying to do was expose that the things that people thought were prohibited under I-200 actually aren't prohibited. Mm-hmm. And it just explicitly stated that. But that doesn't mean we can't do it. Yeah, We can still do it. And I think the governor should have moved forward with implementing I-1000 after the legislature passed it. I agree with you 100%. All stuff that we should have been doing anyway. Exactly. No, I agree. And, now, Senator Bob, you got another event. I forgot to put it on Facebook. You got something coming up on Friday? Yeah, Jamming for Justice. <laughs> oh, give us the info. Yeah, well, it's just a community party celebration and a little fundraiser to kickstart my campaign for next year. But uh, I've been doing it for years now, and I wasn't going to do one this year because, frankly, I was just too tired from the last legislative (laughs) session and working this interim. But people said, oh, come on, it's an annual thing. you got to do it, so we're going to do it. It's at the Renton Carpenters Hall uh, this Friday at 6.30, and it's a potluck and karaoke. Okay. And it's a chance for the community to come together, get to break bread with each other, have a good time, and maybe decompress from the last election. Now, karaoke, are we going to be uh, have the opportunity to hear you sing, Senator? Well, I don't know. Are you going to sing? Amen. No, I can't. Eddie can't. No, I can't sing either. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we'll encourage folks to Absolutely. get there. I'll add that to the Facebook post, too. So yeah, people cool. know about that. So, Thanks, brother. Senator Bob, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you uh, speaking you with uh, the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, uh, Representative Karen Bass, so we could she could straighten things out. And uh, yeah. so she yeah. knows now that it wasn't the Asian community. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. important. Thank okay, you brother. For making that clear, oh. we don't want to be any way associated with all that. I, I, I correct <laughs> folks all the time. Thank you. Thank okay, you. okay, you Senator Bob. Good reason the JACL, Japanese American Citizen League, gave you a lifetime uh, award. Well, for, you know what? Uh, the work that you do. 50, so. In 1965, JACL was in Selma, Alabama. 50 years later, in 2015, they were back in Sel- Selma, Alabama for the people. So, right on, right on to the JACL. Right on. Thanks, brother. Okay. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, man. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Reverend Dr. Laverne C. Hall, who is the director of the James and uh, James Washington Jr. and Janie Rogelia. Is it how you pronounce her last name? Rogella. Rogella, Rogella. Washington Foundation. 
and she has uh, been doing a lot of work and got a big event coming up. And she's been a stalwart member of the McKinney Coalition. Yes. And uh, so we have, we'll talk about that some other time. But right now, it's your time to talk about the event that's coming up on Saturday at Mount Zion at 5 o'clock. At 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock is the meet and greet. We're going to meet everybody and, and have you meet everybody. And we're just going to have us a really, 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 really fantastic 110th birthday anniversary celebration for James W. Washington, the world-renowned painter, sculptor, collector, writer. And if he were living, he would be celebrating with us on Saturday at his home church, the historical 128-year-old Seattle-designated landmark, the Mount Zion Baptist Church at 1634 Reverend Dr. S. McKinney Avenue. How about that? Amen. Yeah, that, that's, and, that's... <laughs> but you know what? The best thing, one of the best things, is that we have the master of master of ceremonies to guide us through this celebration. And I bet you don't know who that is. Hello? Yes. No. <laughs> we we... <laughs> That's Eddie Rye Jr. <laughs> Mr. Eddie Rye Jr. is going to guide us through this celebration. We're going to have a big birthday cake, and we're going to sing happy birthday. But let's, and, and oh, yes, listen, we'll have Dr. Georgia S. McDade there, who is a, a, just a prolific writer and poet, and she's going to share some of her original poetry with us about Dr. Washington. And um, we're going to, uh, Dr. Washington just really believed in pushing and recognizing young artists. So we will have several young artists there to exhibit their work, along with some rarely, rarely, rarely seen James W. Washington paintings and sculptures. Okay? Yeah, you know, he gave and, me a picture uh, of, uh, I think it's 1953 or 54. And they were hosting a reception for him in Los Angeles. And Martin Luther King oh, Jr. came to it. And he said, exactly. Martin Luther King yeah. Jr., the reception was me, and he came as one of my guests. So, <laughs> And I got that picture somewhere at home. But uh, well, there, there's going to be a lot of other you, things going on as well, too, in terms of— Are you— Go ahead. Yeah, are you in the picture with he and Martin Luther King? No, no. In 53, I was in about the, the ninth or 10th grade. No, I wasn't okay. the 6th or 7th grade. I wasn't in L.A. I was in Seattle. Okay, so I have the picture of he and Dr. King, mm -hmm. and I'll see that you get a copy of it, okay? Okay. Yeah, I'll see that you get a copy. But let's can we just talk about Dr. Washington? Oh, go right ahead. This is your time. Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people probably have not, uh, don't remember or just don't know, but he was a contemporary of Jacob Lawrence. Now, within our historical central district, he has pieces all over that central district mm. from uh, the Oracle of Truth right in front of Mount Zion Baptist Church. He has a big piece at Meany Middle School. He's got a piece outside of Odessa Brown Children's Clinic. He's got a piece down at the Bush School. He has a piece at Seattle King, uh, King County uh, Council. He's got a piece on the third tier of the um, a Washington State Convention Center. He has a couple of pieces at Seattle Center. And he's got something down in Olympia, Washington. Oh, yes. And Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He's got stuff in Ohio. 
And listen, we just found out today that he has a piece hanging in his hometown of Gloucester, Mississippi, that he did in 1993. Mm. And I'm going to try and get that piece here because it's a very large piece. But this is what the this is what the context of the piece is. He's got uh, Jesus Christ and the two thieves on the side, and then he's got Mary and the baby Jesus and Joseph uh, uh, as a part of the canvas. And then over next to one of the thieves, he's got a black man hanging from a tree. Ooh, okay. Ooh. That's heavy. That, yeah, that's that's heavy. real, yeah. That's heavy, and it's called The Struggles of Life. Mm. And of all places, it's hanging up in the police department at Gloucester, Mississippi. <laughs> Whoa, that really is a move there. <laughs> Ain't that something? That really is something. Now, what, at, yes. at the event at Mount Zion on uh uh, Saturday at five On o'clock. Saturday. What mm-hmm. will be? Will there be any of his artwork exhibited there? Yes, we will have several of his pieces that have rarely been seen. We'll also have the 1947 uh, watercolor that he did of Mount Zion Baptist Church. That will be there, mm-hmm. and we will also have the very first sculpture that he did. It's called the uh, Young Boy of Athens. That will be there. And then uh, we'll have what I think is the last sculpture that he did, which is a fishing boat that is painted on a rock that came from, uh, I think, uh, South Africa. And I think he did that piece around 1993. Um, And, you know, of course, that he died in 2000. Yeah, but we will have uh, his work there for people to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, that's great. And once again... uh Time, location, and uh, price. Okay, the time will be 5 to 8 p.m. at the uh, uh, Seattle designated landmark, Mount Zion Baptist Church, where he was a member for more than 50 years at 1634, uh, Reverend Dr. S. McKinney Avenue, which is 19th in Madison, and that will be this Saturday, November the 9th. And the charge? And the charge is $75 per person. Or if you care to be a supporter, you can pay $110. Okay. So that we can keep that place open and keep his house open and his gardens open and uh, continue to do some of the programs that we've been doing for the last, oh, 19, 20 years. Well, you know, yeah. one thing, we have to have you on uh, periodically so we can get an update Absolutely. on what's happening because that's a very important institution. So, Reverend Dr. Vern Hall, yes. thank you very oh, much, and I'll you. see you at 4.30 Saturday afternoon. I'll see you there, too. Yes, Absolutely. you will. And, and, and the, pre- the president of the Brotherhood will be there as well. Absolutely. Wonderful. That sounds great. We have a place for you, okay? Thank All right, you. we appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, we got a few announcements we're going to do while we get Tana Yasu hooked up. First of all, I want to give a shout-out of condolence to uh, Michael Nelson. Uh, Michael's a brother I've been knowing for uh, over 60 years. I am that old. And uh, Michael passed away. Uh, There will be a rosary uh, Friday uh, night, uh, Friday at 6.30 p.m. at St. Paul uh, Catholic Church. And service will be held November 9th uh, at uh, uh, 10 o'clock a.m. A repass will follow. And uh, Michael was an outstanding athlete. Uh, we'll also be talking with uh, T. Denard about uh, the celebration of life of Doug, Douglas Q. Barnett, who was the founder of Black Arts West. Mm. And, uh, 
if anybody want to know anything about what's happening with the NAACP, uh, there's an article uh, on the front page of Medium today. Uh, the front page says, Seattle NAACP president suspended by national office. Uh, it's rather a voluminous article. I don't know all the details, but I would just direct you to uh, the Seattle Medium to get that information. And we're still trying to get uh, the other information on uh, on uh, I-1000. We don't know exactly where it is, but Senator Hasegawa said it's a half a point or a point, and uh, we're just going to pray for the best. Amen. But our next guest is one of the busiest people in town, and that's Miss Tana Yasu, who's on the Seattle Women's Commission. She's treasurer of the Seattle. I put King County in there, Hayward. <laughs> not, not just Seattle MLK Organizing yeah. Coalition. We can't leave King. This is Mar- about Martin Luther King, Tana. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? I'm awesome. Hello. Good day. Okay. All right. Hayward Nettie here. So we know that there's a meeting coming up on Tuesday, and all the information that people need to have if they want to volunteer or participate uh, in, uh, uh, in one of the committees, they can go online and sign up. So why don't you give us an update on where we are? All right, yes, we are preparing and having our meeting to celebrate our, correct me if I'm wrong, 38th year of the largest and longest-running community celebration of the birth of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. on the West Coast. So, yes, we are having a meeting coming up on November 12th. Uh, we invite the community to connect with us. We need all the volunteers and all the participation that we can handle, you can see us at www.seattlemlkcoalition.org is our website for more information there. We have a phone number, which is 206-708-0351. And we're also on Facebook. That's Facebook slash MLK Seattle. We're meeting at Langston Hughes on November 12th, 6 to 8. 104 17th Avenue is the address at Langston Hughes. And then we will have a couple meetings at Douglas Truth Library. So you definitely want to get plugged in so you'll know where to come for our meetings. We meet about twice a month up until the event, and then we'll have follow-up afterward. But um, we have – actually, this is a two-day situation because we have a young leaders subcommittee that I also am the chair and we do a kickoff event on Sunday, January 19th. That's going to be at Langston Hughes. And then the official march and rally and um, performances and community meal happens at Garfield on January 20th. So it's a full weekend of family-friendly, positive events in honor of our great Dr. King. Do we have, uh, what about committees? Can people go online and sign up for committees? The committees, yes. We have several different committees. The workshops and um, are very popular that we have there. That's the committee, the Opportunity Fair Committee. Program is um, the performances and things, logistics, media and outreach, food, disability and language, then the young leaders and the volunteers. Those are all different committees that people can come and plug into uh, in the area of your strength. And, you know, Eddie does the fundraising. And the fundraising committee. Oh, fundraising. How could I not have fundraising? <laughs> well, Hold and, up. And, and you know what? We got two ex-Seahawks that's going to be working with us, Fred Anderson and Edwin Bailey. As a matter of fact, Fred has been active for the last few years, but he brought Edwin Bailey in. So, uh, And Edwin also hosts a radio program over on Rainier Avenue, Rainier Avenue Radio World. So, uh, I, And uh, Edwin said he would also try to get some of the younger players 
uh, to get involved with the MLK event this year. So hopefully uh, we'll have a lot more young folks involved, and we are encouraging. As a matter of fact, I talked to the immediate past president of the student body at Garfield yesterday, Chardonnay Beaver, and she is also going to get uh, her colleagues involved. A lot of them went away to college, but uh, she's going to be also working with us in terms of get, getting involved with that as well. Fantastic. Yes, we want to plug into the youth. We enjoy giving them that platform on Sunday to kick off all the rest of the events and get their perspective on, on what's happening. Our theme for this year is 2020 vision. We have a lot of important things coming up, so it, it's going to be really great to get that uh, fresh blood and new perspective in and, and let them participate and have a voice. Yeah, yeah, fundraising is very important. I should have had that at the top of the list, right? <laughs> need, need that money. But, you know, inter- inter- interestingly, you, when you said uh, we're the largest marching rally on the West Coast, people need to really look at the significance of that. You got Los Angeles, San Francisco, and in west of the Mississippi, you got Dallas, Texas, Chicago. And, and in fact, we're the second, my understanding is we're the second largest in the nation, only behind Atlanta. We rival them, and they called us to help them this year with organizing. So that, 20, that 2020 vision is critical going into next year. Yeah, we're all fired up and very excited. Well, next week we're going to have uh, Christina Van Middlesworth. She's the co-chair along with John Birchie of uh, the Opportunity Fair that's been uh, Hayward has been putting uh, been organizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so and that's yeah, been pretty popular job. too with the hundreds of people. And yeah. I think last year 138 people received job officers offers. There were a resume building stations so people could. And like John Birchie says, we want employers to come who can offer jobs on the spot right. as well as yeah. training programs. So that's yeah, also working I'm- well. Yeah, this opportunity fair is not just talk. This is people came dressed to impress and ready. They were hired on the spot. They got help with resumes. And we're also expanding that to the youth day and because some of the younger people that don't have a resume that need that extra help. So we're also having, we're going to expand on the opportunity fair this year as well, including the youth and giving them more help with resume building and um job opportunities. So, yeah, it's really going down. And the meeting, next meeting is Tuesday at uh, 630? Yes, Tuesday at Langston Hughes, 630. The doors open at 6, so feel free to come on in early so we can be ready to start right at 630 and go till 8 with our planning. You can check us out, get onto a committee that you feel is uh, a good fit for you. Uh, all are welcome. All Everyone's welcome. Just come. Young, old, doesn't matter. We, this is cross-generational, cross-barriers. This is, this is the true meaning of Dr. King's dream. So, Atana, give the website one more time for people so they'll have that information. www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. All right. Now, Tana Yasu, Treasurer, Seattle King County, Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Committee, thank you so much. Hayward and I will see you Tuesday. Yes, sir. Have a great day. Love y'all. Okay, love you too. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest, Mr. T. Denard, after this. 
Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Bored with the other stations, hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Before we go to Tea Dinner, I want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is sponsored by the Port of Seattle, Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office, Concourse Concessions with David Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC with Jerry Whitsitt and Rod O'Neill, uh, Stephanie Ogle, Solstice Media does our media. And Hayward, I want to give a shout-out of congratulations to Don Hunter, oh, yeah. who last week received the Charles Blood Diversity Award. And also, uh, we're going to hear some information on uh, how one of those minority firms is going to get their $50,000 back for go. building yes. out a kiosk and then get it canceled at the last minute. Anyway, T. Denard, a, very, a veteran of the stage and screen, <laughs> and also was intricately involved with Black Arts West and uh, the person that we're going to be memorializing right now, Douglas Q. Barnett, who was the founder of Black Arts West. So, T, welcome. And I know you did more acting than just at Black Arts West, but because it's Doug Barnett, we just want you to reflect on him and the organization. And we had a theater on Union Street between 34th and 35th. That's it, yeah. Go ahead, T. Yes, indeed, uh... The Seattle community is also a great visionary and pioneer, particularly the black community. As you said, uh, he founded Black Arts West Theater, which became a hub for not only actors, but visual artists, dancers, comedians, and quite a few of them right now are still working as a result of Doug's work at Black Arts West and his vision in seeing Black Arts West. And Black Arts West was really instrumental in the civil rights movement because Black Arts West was uh, put on plays that reflected the black experience, which had not been done in Seattle. And it was fantastic. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned that there was a theater on 34th and Union, and that used to be the home of anybody that felt like they wanted to be involved in anything artistic in Seattle. And Doug was such a great man that, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a great loss to me. And a lot of actors and, and, and people that work for Black House West are still working today around the country. Uh, I talked to some of them that wanted me to relay condolences to the family. Harvey Blanks, uh, Buddy Butler, Ian Fox, uh, Alvin Sanders. They're all over the country, and we're still working as a result of Doug's tireless effort to get black artistic art to the Seattle area. And he's going to be missed, Eddie. I mean, you know, you know, you you were a subscriber. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, he's going to be missed. And uh, I'm missing Sorty right now. So, you know, hopefully uh, someone can get this uh, black art restarted in Seattle and uh, let it thrive so that the young people of the day know what it's like to be a black artistic person. 
in Seattle and around the world. Mm-hmm. Well, you so, know, um, uh, go ahead, T. No, no, I'm great. Go ahead, I'm. No, I just wanted to say that there will be a celebration of Douglas Q. Barnett's life on Saturday uh, from, uh, I think it's, uh, let me look, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. It's going to be at the Mount Baker Community Club, which is located at 2811 uh, North Rainier Drive. So if you go around uh, McClellan, it make that little curve. Uh, you can't make a left or a right, and it's right to the right. Uh, so that I want to make sure people go by, and I want to extend my condolences to his family members. Uh, Maisha's been on here before, and I see they see how Doug Barnett Jr., but I thought it was Douglas K. Barnett and also Victor and Eric. And his two sons look like twins. I, I thought I was talking yes. to, to, the, yeah. to the musician, and I was talking to the other one. But anyway, I'm glad that I had a chance to actually sit down and break some bread and, and talk to Doug down at, uh, at the, the Northwest Black Pioneers picnic. The Roots Picnic, uh, that was like the 1st of September, Sunday before Labor Day. And uh, it was good to have that. Also, they did a, a very extensive interview with Doug. It would be, if you Google him, I'm sure it must have been a, a 15, 20-minute interview that I watched in the entirety. And they must have, I think they did that the same day uh, as the Northwest Roots Black Pioneers Picnic uh, down at uh, Jimi Hendrix Sam Smith Park by the Northwest African American Museum. Uh, I know a couple of times that you guys had some plays, and I know uh, the late Sam Kelly got chagrined one day because they started talking about mm-hmm. the yes, uh, and the Mercer Island Negroes <laughs> <laughs> and some folks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know I, that was just that. But Doug also acted in other venues as well. Can you share that yes, information with us? Yes, he did. And you know, Eddie, uh, I think you're right, man. That. There should be some kind of way that we can commemorate Doug. Doug is, is visionary and, and Black Hawk's West uh, through some type of plaque or some kind of honor that's lasting. Uh, his legacy will last on. Uh, and I know that uh, you got some great ideas on that, and uh, hopefully that you need any help uh, bringing any of those to fruition, let me know, and, and I'm certainly on board. Well, I'll tell you what, when you talked about, uh, and I saw uh, Ian, we were down in L.A. together with him. My daughter lives down there now, and I'll be giving him a call as well, he and Buddy and others, to see what people really want to do, because I think we should do something to make sure his legacy lives on. We have, uh, Doug was a pioneer, his family were pioneers. They came out here to break up the coal miner strike over in Roslyn, Washington, uh, in Newcastle mm-hmm. in the 1890s or something like that, uh, or mm-hmm. 1880s, so... He's been here for a long time. That park on on Martin Luther King between uh, Jefferson and uh, Alder is the Powell Barnett Park, who was named for his father. So uh, oh, okay. you're absolutely right. That would be very fitting to do something in but, his honor. Hey, but, but even it reminds me, when we were at the University of Washington, you know, it was difficult for black folk to make it up into the CD to a large extent. I remember I was in one of the plays. We were doing a play about Toussaint and the, uh, uh, and the, and the riot in Haiti to kick out the French. I remember my dancer, and I worked in the sugarcane fields. He, and himself, he shoot himself, himself, he shoot himself. That was my line. Amen. But it was a lot of fun, the dancing, bringing everybody together. Truly, truly, truly touched so many lives in our community. Well, T, we'll keep you posted on any activity. If you guys come with any ideas, please give me a call because – uh, Doug Barnett should have some kind of living memorial right. because he all, he contributed so much 
to the artists and to the Seattle community. So thank you very much, T. All right, Danny. Thank you okay. for having me. All righty. All right. Okay. Um, Rumba Notes tonight, every Thursday night at Rumba Notes Lounge in Columbia City. LaTanya Nichelle will be waiting to greet you where you can hear some of the best live music, spoken word, and rap and some of the finest musicians around the city. And I want to remind you once again that Doug Barnett's Celebration of Life will be at the Mount Baker Community Center, 2011 Mount Rainier Drive South, and that will be from 12 to 3 on Saturday. Uh, Then we have the uh, event for James the Washington Foundation at Mount Zion for James W. Washington Jr. and Jane Rogelia Washington uh, their foundation, uh, Reverend Dr. Laverne uh, C. Hall is a director of the foundation. Uh, it's a seventy-five-dollar charge. It's five to nine at Mount Zion in the Fellowship Hall. But and don't doing, forget about you, the black and white ball up at the uh, Esquire Club. Eddie and and uh, uh, Detective Cookie uh, both are going to be acknowledged and you know receive an award and honor. That's it's going to be fantastic. Eddie Cookie and who? Is that Clarence Acox? That's what it looks like. Yeah, Clarence, yeah. Yeah, he should be. You know, he's spent a lot of time at Garfield. And once again, um, we're not commenting or uh, anything. We want you to read the medium. It says a a huge, long article about the Seattle NAACP president suspended by the national office. So uh, I know folks have a lot of mixed feelings. And hopefully we'll find out something soon about where I-1000 is. It wasn't that far behind. But... uh, and then once again, uh, my friend Mike Nelson will be uh, funeralized at St. Paul's Church. That will be on Saturday uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. There's a rosary that will be held at the St. Paul Church as well. You know, I think they should mark the calendar too, November 22nd. The big dream for the Seattle Metropolitan uh, Urban League is, is going to be coming up. You got Bruce Harrell down there, April Ryan. Keynote and Michelle has done a fantastic job with the organization. Where is that going to be held? That's going to be held at the uh, West End Hotel. And w- that's November 22nd? November 22nd. Is that a breakfast? It's a breakfast. Okay. And the breakfast is pretty darn good. Yeah, didn't I agree. Did you get an award down there? Uh, a couple of years yeah, ago, okay, yes, I did, when Pamela Banks left. Yeah. Okay, uh, we are, we'll be coming back to you next week. But before I go, I want to thank the Port of Seattle. I want to thank Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office. We got to have Leslie Jones on next week. Absolutely. City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office, Concourse Concessions with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC with Jerry Whitsett and Ron O'Neill. And the, both of those guys are veterans. They served two tours of duty in Desert Storm. And Rod got a Medal of Valor. And Soul Sis Media, Stephanie Ogle does our website. And we will be talking to you again next week. Thank you.